Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. We needed that. We needed that one, Christopher. All right, let's get it started. This is On the Bench. I'm Josh Newberg. I got Chris Knee with me. Brennan Sinone is still inside Dote Campbell Stadium interviewing Mike Norvell in the game. Um, Florida State just dropped number five, ranked UNC 31 to 28, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Mike Norvell needed this win. Marvin Wilson needed this win. Kenny Dillingham needed this win. Joshua Kando needed this win. Adam Fuller damn sure needed this win. Uh, the team played with some passion tonight, Chris. Tell me about it. I mean, I think that's the first word that comes to mind. They were passionate. They played a hard game for four quarters. Definitely wasn't always very pretty. Very, very, very good first half. Uh, mm-hmm. Both sides of the ball brought in the first half. Special teams also brought in the first half. All those things work together to give FSU a nice, comfortable lead at the half. Second half, offensively, they were pretty stagnant. They did create two opportunities to put points on the board, but missed field goals did not allow that to happen, which made a way too uncomfortable game there in the final about two and a half <laughs> minutes when UNC got the ball back with a chance to take the lead. You didn't think it was um, going to be easy, did you, Chris? Well, I, well, at halftime, I sure as hell did. <laughs> I, I was researching at halftime, when's the last time FSU scored this many points in a half of football? And the answer to that question was uh, Delaware State in 2017. So that's not something we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew UNC wasn't going to just roll over and play dead. That's an explosive offense, exceptional quarterback, really good running back room. They got some stuff to work with. So you knew they could put points on the board. But I think if you asked me if I thought FSU would get shut out in the second half, my answer would have almost certainly been no. So I would have felt pretty comfortable with FSU posting you know, anywhere from 34 to 38 points at least with, you know, a score or two in the second half. And really, mm-hmm. they should have had 34 or 37 on the evening in the sense of what they actually did do on the field. But two missed field goals kept them at 31 and made it way too uncomfortable at the end and also made it really difficult to write things in advance because, well, hell, it came down literally to the last 35 <laughs> or so seconds. Jordan Travis was 8 of 19 through the air, 191 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He got it done with his legs as well, 16 rushing attempts, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. But really what Jordan Travis brought to this team was a mentality, um, especially the way he gritted out that second half. Uh, what, first of all, it looked like it was a shoulder injury or was it a wrist injury? Did you, were you able to see? I, from the box view, looking at it on TV, I, I thought it was shoulder. Um, I don't know if Norvell addressed that immediately in the post game. Sinone can add that context for mm-hmm. for us, and I'm sure there'll be something on the website. I thought it was shoulder. It certainly didn't look like he could lift his arm there when he went out to the wide receiver spot when Jay Sean Corbin took the direct snap there late for FSU. I believe it was Corbin that took the snap at least. But um, man, what a so good yeah. performance! Yeah, and the numbers aren't beautiful from a passing standpoint. Right. You know what? Eight for nineteen, I believe, is what mm-hmm. he finished at. But he hit some big ones. 
the Warren Thompson 33-yard completion Ooh. right there before the half was probably the best throw I've ever seen Jordan Travis make. He put that thing in a bucket in and the best to a catch Warren Thompson's ever made. Yes, yes. So many things came together that we never expected in our lives. And then he follows that up with a 12-yard touchdown pass to Cam McDonald. You know, he mm-hmm. has two touchdown rushes, a 23-yard early after the block punt, another one where he plunged in from a yard out. He was an excellent leader at field general. He had a really, really good evening in the sense of keeping that offense comfortable with what they were trying to accomplish. Even in the second half where they did struggle mightily, he put together that drive to drain the clock there late to kind of wane the game down. It was clear that FSU offensively was struggling in the second half, but he still was able to get certain things done that put him in a position to win the game in the end. And, uh, you know, I, that's what you want your quarterback doing. I thought he was very good. I thought LaDamian Webb had a heck of a game. They finished as a pair of 100-yard rushers on the day. Webb had a 54-yard run. That was probably the best run he's ever had as a seminal. Um, he showed some speed that I'm not sure I – believed he had and some power working off big arms yeah well we knew he had the power there was no doubt mm-hmm. about the power you got the power in the spin move and the speed's never been bad but i i thought the speed on the 54 yarder was a little more impressive than we've seen so far this year as long as run prior to that point on the season i think was 16 yards so i mean that was a drastically dramatically different you know sense of a run from what we've seen him do uh receiver wise you know pokey had an early miscue there were a couple drops here and there that kind of hurt early on with some of the things they were trying to accomplish. But overall, I thought that group was pretty good on the day, especially with Terry being absent because of surgery. Guys made some big boy catches. Keyshawn Helton made an attempt for another big one there late in the game and almost came down with it with his elbow landing out of bounds first. It didn't count. But I thought the effort was very good from that group. They got mm-hmm. the job done. I think that's probably the best way of describing what the offense did on the day was they did enough to get the job done. It, it's not always pretty. It doesn't always go really, really well. There were moments in the first half where it looked real, real smooth. There were moments in the second half where it was clear they were really struggling to do anything in the passing game. And UNC was doing a pretty good job bottling up the rushing attack too. But they did enough. And defensively, it's the best game FSU's played on defense this year. I, yeah, I big shout-out Big shout out to the defensive line. Right. I mean, keeping yeah. keeping Sam Howell off kilt the whole game. He was really never able to get into a rhythm. I know at the end he was chucking it deep. He had some completions, but like that was late in the game when he was just trying to score points as quick as possible. But when it mattered, he he never got into a flow at all in this game. No, and they bothered him constantly. They recorded four stacks as a defense. I think they had eight or nine tackles for loss on a day. That's dramatic improvement over what we saw at Notre Dame where it was amazing how few negative plays they had. But they also bothered Sam Howell a lot on the day. I mean, the, the last play for UNC on offense where they throw an incompletion, Sam Howell evades the pressure, but he's under extreme pressure. And he made, truthfully, a pretty good throw to Javante Williams, their running back. It just cascaded off his arms and yeah. fell incomplete, and that's why the game ended. But they did enough against a very talented passer who was able to throw it down the field. Akeem Dent got beat a couple times. There was one where Miko Dodson got mossed, and there's yeah, really they were they nothing. were picking on on Miko and, and Dent. Um, yeah, but, it was really. But UNC was only two of eleven on third down conversions yep. and zero for three on fourth down conversions. Yeah, and and that's that's the difference for the defense more than anything that they've done this year. I mean, the, the personality of the defense was better on the the evening. They they fired off the ball better, far less thinking, far more doing. But they were definitely physical. Even when they made mistakes, they were trying to do it fast and physical, which is a dramatic improvement over slow and thinking that they've had the issues with mm-hmm. in recent weeks. 
Um, I thought that was a really, really good thing to see. You know, I thought Robert Cooper played real well on the inside. Um, Dennis Briggs came back after opting out. He opted back in and gave them a little bit of lift on a night where they were without True Thompson and Fabian Lovett because uh, in Thompson's case, we believe an injury in the sense of like a concussion or something of that sort. And in Lovett's case, he was present. Couldn't really tell what was up with him, but he wasn't available to play. So it was good to see a guy like Briggs come back. I thought Marvin Wilson played the best game he's played this season. Coop looked much more like his old self instead of the Notre Dame self where he didn't look like he could use his hands real well. J-Rob still had some J-Rob moments. But, but he had the best well. game. He, he yes. Best game of the season for sure. Maybe the best game of his career. Yeah, Derek McClendon had an – you know, there's an instance where Derek McClendon pursued Howard to the sideline and forced him out. Mm-hmm. Did an excellent job of just continuing pursuit, making an effort throughout the play. He didn't really truly impact the play in the sense of ending it, but he still impacted in the sense of being present throughout the end of it. It didn't allow for a play that shouldn't be anything to turn into something. Right. Um, and that's something you saw a lot more tonight in the sense of just the effort was outstanding. And, you know, the defense – it's been dreadful leading up to this evening. And tonight, they still gave up a hell of a lot of yards, but they got stops when they needed to. You know, mm-hmm. we can't go without mentioning Joshua Kando's great interception that he caught in stride and took it in the house from about 25 Man. yards out. I mean, that was awesome to watch. That was one of those, like, oh, wow moments because you saw it happening. You saw Kando flowing freely and reading that how was thrown and getting those hands up. And he looked like a natural wide receiver there. I mean, he looked like the creative player we've always. And really, played. all FSU needed to do was just get off the field on a on a you know fourth down punt. Um, yeah, Rindo took it to the next level, and before you know it, they turn they turn it into six. Um, let's also talk a little bit about um, that end of the first half strategy by Mike Norvell. About I mean, I love it. I, I'm all for being aggressive. Um, especially when you got a defense that you just you know can be suspect, if not always, at least sometimes. So it, it, it's a game of you need to keep scoring. And they get it back, you know, ballpark about a minute left in the half. They go all the way down the field in about 45 seconds. That drive included the great pass of Warren Thompson, the touchdown pass of Cam McDonald. But more than anything, it was a matter of they just decided we're going to be aggressive. We're going for points. We're here to try to score as much and as often as we can. We're not going to sit on the ball and take a comfortable lead into the half. And to me, that's an excellent statement. That makes a statement to your football team about how much you are there to try to win the game, which is ultimately what they're all trying to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll take it all the time. It's not something we've seen a ton of in Tallahassee. Most times, you know, coaches they've had in those situations, and obviously those coaches had different defenses than the one we're doing with in 2020, they would sit on it. They would – take it to the half and be happy with the lead, especially with getting the ball first in the second half. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love this statement. I thought it was great. I thought it was an extremely well-executed drive. I thought Jordan Travis did his job at a very high level. I thought it was very well-schemed up and called by Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham. And I think it's an excellent statement. It's one of those things I think when you're sitting in the film room with the team, you can point to, and it makes a point. It's one of those things where it's like, we told you we're here to try to win. Here's an example of us doing everything in our power to make sure we put ourselves in a position to win. And then they had to go into halftime. And my girlfriend said yeah. something to me during the half. She's like, or right before the half, she's like, do they really even have to go in? Can't they just keep playing? And I was like, yeah, I wish they could. She's like, I feel like if they go to the half, they might not come out playing the same way. And they kind of didn't. Um, they didn't. 
they just didn't have the same aggression. And you can understand why they had the big lead. Uh, the clock wasn't necessarily, even though they had the big lead in the first half, the clock wasn't in their favor in the first half. So they wanted to maybe slow it down a little. What do you think of the way that they came out in the second half? Well, I think it was a matter of UNC had kept them on the field a lot for a lot of plays, a lot of yards. And UNC ran a lot of stuff sideline to sideline, stretching them out in the first half. So there was a lot of effort being dispersed. And at one point late in the third quarter, I want to say it was about a 20, 26, 27 minutes, about 14-minute time of possession difference with UNC being the one with far more. And I think that showed with the defense. On a night where you're missing multiple defensive tackles, uh, a few defensive backs, and you had a few defensive backs get banged up in the process of the game, I think the depth and the amount you were out there on the field kind of showed for the defense. And I think that's why they lost a little bit of their – firing off the ball chippiness that we saw early on, the physicality we saw. I don't think it completely went away, but I do think it was somewhat limited in the second half in comparison to the first half. And then offensively, I think they just kind of they, – they hit big plays in the first half. 86% of their offensive yards in the first half were because of explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that, that's what that offense ultimately is going to be under Mike Norvell is an explosive offense. Obviously, you'd like to be able to pepper in a little more consistency with other plays, you know, just keep the ball moving and chains moving. But they're not quite there as an offense. And in the second half, the explosive plays kind of were limited from an offensive standpoint. I think that's what hurt them a great deal. But they put themselves in position for two field goals and came away with no points in both of those instances. And, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's one of those things where the scoreboard, the scoreboard can look a lot different if you can break the will of the other team and, you know, they don't have that chance where suddenly they're only down 10 and then only down three, you know. Oh, but Chris, Chris, they did have that chance. They did, yes, and they didn't catch him. They did not. Uh, It it came, I think it was after LaDamian Webb's big run, right? The Dante Lucas penalty on the first and goal from like the four-yard line or the three-yard line? Or was it the big catch by by Wilson? Which one? It was a big play. I believe the Lucas penalty that people are going to be out for blood for was after the web run. I believe they squandered the drive with the web run. Correct. It was the web. It was a big play. It was an explosive play downfield. Uh, They really could have put the nail in the coffin. I think it would have made it 38 points. Um, It gets, they get knocked out of, touchdown range because they're you know inside the five now it's a a 10-yard penalty Um, it doesn't go well and then they miss the field goal they get no points on the board but it seemed like just that penalty kind of sucked the life out of FSU when it happened Dante Lucas gets pulled out of the game for I think a series or two at that point and it was just like the offense couldn't find that spark again yeah I believe they went to Brady Scott there to replace Mm -hmm. Lucas if I recall correctly um, and it was clear they were unhappy with Lucas. But those are the blemishes that you're going to live with. I think the biggest takeaway take for me, though, is that last week they put together a four-quarter effort. And that was important because that's something they've struggled as a program to do consistently in recent mm-hmm. years. And I thought today they built on that effort. They the, the defensive physicality was so pleasant to see. The defense looked better. And it looked better in the sense of, one mistake didn't become two mistakes, so on and so forth. There were still moments where they had some issues. You know, yeah. Woodby had one where he took a real bad angle. King Dent got burnt a couple times. Miko Dodson got lost. Got abused. Yeah, he, yeah, well, Brownlee had a, was, Brownlee was, had a, a real catch. costly face mask penalty down the stretch, yeah. uh, but he played a pretty good game. 
But the thing is, they seem to be better at kind of understanding they messed up and just moving on. And that's something they don't do particularly well traditionally as a program in recent years. Yeah. So that's a positive to see. Right. We we avoided the major meltdown that usually would cost FSU the game in one of these situations. And they bucked up when they had to buck up. You know, they got those third down stops, the fourth down stops, and turnovers on on downs were huge. And the Kando interception is a huge play. Anytime the defense can put seven on the board, you're going to take it. So those are all very big positives. And offensively, it was a tail of two halves. But they, as a team, are playing better for one another. And I, I think that emotionally you're seeing a vast majority of the team playing for the same reason. There's still some guys who have things to work through. You know, Dante Lucas is one that certainly comes to mind. Akeem Dent needs to start playing some better ball, but I think he'll tell you that first and foremost. But in general, it's a team that's it's starting to find its way. And it's still going to take losses, and they're still going to have bad showings. And, God, I hope mm-hmm. Clemson doesn't put 70 on them because that's a really damn good football team at Clemson. But they're trying. Then the next thing is go to Louisville, play a really good game on the road, and try to beat a Louisville team that's defense has been very up and down and offense didn't produce much today. So you have a shot and try to, if you start stringing together two victories and three victories and four victories, you're on that path of what Louisville did last year, where it kind of turned into a pretty nice turnaround story for a season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to be able to dissect all of the things they're still struggling at. And there's plenty of them. And they're, you know, they were essentially one play away from potentially losing the game tonight. Yeah, that, that's what they were also one play about. away from putting the nail in the coffin and winning by two or three scores. It, it exactly. So, so, like, I don't, I don't think you can get obsessed with – at the end of the day, be happy with the result. And that's what matters. You can't get obsessed with the process all the way when the result is a positive. You have to take that result and use that as the fuel to the fire to help this team continue to evolve, become a better bunch and do what they need to do. Mm. Enjoy this one. Take 24, take 48 hours. Enjoy this one. Uh, Florida State takes down number five rate, North Carolina at home inside Dope Campbell Stadium. What a night it was for the Seminoles. Uh, we're going to dissect this thing more once Brendan Sinone gets back with us. We'll do our, uh, our Monday pod after Mike Norvell. We'll also have a lot of recruiting stuff. Um, I know Zach Blostein has already started to reach out to recruits to get some reaction. We'll have that posted on Knowles 24-7 tomorrow. Um, any other fallout, you know, catch it on the website. We will be back on the bench on Monday. Thanks for listening. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.